Hello, everyone. This is Grace Mont Podcast, episode 44. We're going to do the song. If, if Apostle Duke is with us, he seems to be frozen. Maybe I have to do the whole thing myself. Grace Mont, Grace Mont, Grace Mont, Grace Mont, Grace Mont. I'm not quite as good as Apostle Duke. So anyway, so we have Sarah with us again. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Happy to be here. <laughs> I'm doing all right. So we have, Sarah has agreed to help me with my She TV thing that I'm going to put together that's uh, women's issues. And we're going to start out with mainly women's medical issues. You said you had some ideas for that. I do. I do. Um, just lots of ideas about how I think even in research and in science, medical issues that are um, only affect women, I think that they're under-researched. And I think that a lot of medical advances have been made in today's day and age, but I think that there's still a lot of female-specific diseases that are under-researched and that I think, you know, we could be further ahead treating them if if they were if they were uh, under more attention but i think that sometimes it doesn't happen because it's specific to women now i know what you're saying absolutely does not apply to breast cancer because the susan b no. Komen thing is everywhere but, but you're men what, get breast cancer what too. are you right but what are you talking about do you have any specific things that are not yeah. being researched well uh, like endometriosis, it is so under-researched and it's a disease that really can cripple a woman's life and put a woman in a constant state of pain. Um, and really there's no more understanding on the disease and the disease process than there was 10 years ago. And I mean, maybe even further back, but just like as long as I've been watching people have the disease. Um, you know, in the OR, I don't, I don't, there's no, we aren't doing anything different to treat that. And there's other things that I see, you know, like prostate cancer, for example, um, you know, you used to have to go in and do this horribly invasive surgery, um, to remove the prostate. And then, and now, um, you can do it with a laser and it's minimally invasive, which is great. I'm all for you know, less invasive, but I'm just using that as an example of how I've just, in my short time in medicine, I've seen things advance. Um, but one specific disease that's specific to women, I haven't seen treatment advance. Okay. We're Apostle Duke. Welcome back. I went ahead and did the song without you. It wasn't the same, but it's gonna, Good. it's gonna have to do. I, I was, was uh, I was afraid you may have been raptured. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, thank you. Just went away. No, that's probably not yeah. gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> we will not be raptured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it happens, huh? You, you actually, you and I were talking the other day, Sarah, about you had some more stuff you wanted to say about growing up in the Assembly of God Church too. Was there? some more things you thought of after our last visit? Yeah. So something that I, I thought of, um, you know, I talked a lot. Well, really all I talked about was purity culture and the way it affected me and my female friends. Um, and then I had some conversations with some girls that I grew up with, um, that I, you know, had in the youth group and that ended up marrying men in the church. And my perspective is different because I didn't, marry a man that was raised on Christian principles or raised in the evangelical movement. Um, and some of them said that marrying a man who was also raised in purity culture with them, their experience was that they felt like their husband always got a pass just because like, oh, he's a guy, boys will be boys. And they felt like even after they were married and they were supposed to be in this partnership where their husband was the head of the household, there were a lot of things in which these women felt like they were having to carry the weight of, even though 
you know, biblically or in their church, they're taught that marriage should be this one way. Um, I think it created some entitlement with the men in my generation who were raised in purity culture because they were taught that they were supposed to get, you know, this clean, pure virgin who worshiped the ground that they walked on. And they were never taught that you've got to work for that. If you want your wife to adore you, you have to be somebody worth adoring. Um, and nobody, nobody bridged that gap of, hey, you have to be somebody worthy of a good wife. They just thought that because they were Christian men, they were worthy of all of these things without having to actually work for them. So that was just kind of my small bit of research that I did amongst a small group of my peers. Interesting. That does Along make those sense. same lines, uh, and I I feel self-conscious about um, giving the name of the school, but it's a it's a it was a Bible college, and they compared their um, divorce stats with like average divorce stats, and they found that not only were they not better, but their divorce rate was higher from kids going to that Bible college. And one of the, one of the reasons was given for it was when they're in Bible college, they're kind of like not really themselves. They're kind of always, you know, playing church and stuff. And then when they get out in the real world, they, uh, they realize they don't know each other, which was just kind of interesting to me. Well, and also the way that, you know, purity culture and, you know, especially at those Bible colleges, um, the way that it models the dating relationship, it's where you're really never alone with that person until you are already yeah. bound to them under God and, and the dating the United the dating States of so America strict. for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you've always usually got somebody with you. You know, you can't get to know somebody well enough to merge your entire life with them. You know, I my husband and I lived together for a couple of years before we got married and I you know, every marriage has its struggles, and I just can't imagine if he would have been a complete stranger to me, essentially, you know. And, you know, these some of these people go from living with their parents to all of a the sudden they're married with all of these adult responsibilities, and they're expecting to run a household. And it's just, it's setting people up for failure is what it is. Sure. Yeah. All, all these I, things that we were always taught were were what were good and proper and right and the good Christian ideals and stuff. A lot of them were dumb. And really? Yeah. I mean, what somebody told me, would you buy a car without test driving it? Uh, no. And so test driving the your sexual relationship with somebody, I think is a great idea because there's so many people that get married and find out that they're not compatible. Hey, you know, another thing along those lines, and here I'm getting in a rabbit trail, but is like, you know, we have universities and colleges that teach you how to like find your vocation, do your vocation well. Oh, but, but marriage is so important and there's not, and, and, but marriage is kind of like just go out there and get lucky kind of deal. <laughs> go to a party or something and hopefully you'll find a good, decent person and you think about how much effort we put into like teaching ourselves how to have vocations. And you think about how important marriage is, you know, it's like way more important than your job is going to be. And I mean, really, who you matter, who you marry matters. I've only been married for 10 years and there's just been so many situations where I'm like, man, if I was married to anybody different, I can't imagine how I would have gotten through that, you know, and I can't imagine marrying somebody that I can't rely on or somebody that's, you know, not there for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I think also Christianity kind of paints a picture of if you get married and you're in God's grace, it's rainbows and butterflies. And nobody explains to you that, you know, you're going to be there when your spouse is sick or when your spouse is giving birth or when your spouse is having surgery or when your spouse faces loss, you know, and if you don't have a strong relationship established before you're bound to that person if you're getting married out of obligation or out of 
oh, I everyone's telling me that this is God's will for me. Um, it's just never going to work. I think that a lot of young Christians just get caught up in the idea that they can, if if they're marrying somebody that they think it's God's will for them, that it's all just going to come easy. And so they're really blindsided and disappointed and resentful whenever actual life happens and you're married to an imperfect human being and not this promise that your church gave you. And then you're left to grapple with that. Okay, Apostle Duke, tell her about your marriage. That's it. So much fits in with this. Do, do you feel like sharing it or no? Well, about what? My your marriage? your marriage. It it so much fits what she's talking about. Well, um, Is, yeah. Okay, so um, I broke up with a girl at one church, and then trying to go to that church was just so odd. So I decided to go to a different church. And so they needed an interim music director. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be the interim music director. So I was doing that. I see this really cute girl. And, and so I inquired about her. I said, oh, that's the pastor's daughter. And I thought, oh, man, she's really young. But she wasn't as young as I thought. And so she, we were. So I asked her out. She kind of like, you know, anyway, eventually she did. And I liked her a lot real soon into the thing. I mean, we were probably a month or so, and I was like, I really like you. <laughs> and so she says, I need to tell you something. I said, okay, you know, whatever. And, but she, she was, uh, she was pregnant. And so, so then I go to her father and I say, okay, I'm your music director. And, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with your daughter and she's pregnant. I mean, is that a, you know, how, what do we do here? And so he said, well, how do you feel about her? I said, well, I really, really like her. So Wait, I, was she uh, pregnant by you or somebody no. else? No. So she, she went through a divorce and uh, she went to a, uh, she went to like this group of like divorced and, and like everybody's like, I guess there and they're hurting and, you know, and, and she met, meets this guy and, and just, it got, I guess, I don't know, she didn't really say, but I think it just went really quick, fast, but, and then it was over, and then she wound up pregnant. She called the guy and said, hey, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm having a baby, and he kind of went like, yeah, that's nice, so how's your weekend, you know? And so she's, she kind of cut him loose. <clears throat> anyway, she was trying to do the right thing, and um, and I, the way I, as I, as I look back on it, it was like, I, w I was trying to rescue her. I was going to like, I was going to come in and swoop down and save her. But I, I just had no idea what I was doing. And it, and it here, it was like a God's will thing. It was like, I don't know. It, it, it was like, I'm going to get in here and it's going to just be okay or something. I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, it just, it just, it did not work out well. We were, we were together for about a year and split up and, um, and then she went on her way and I, but it was, it was a, it, but other than I learned, I learned a lot, but I, I hurt some people. I mean, I, I, I did some damage and, um, and so, you know, it, it, so that's like, I like that. I am, I'm 62. I'm not married. I, I haven't even tried it again since then, but anyway, so was that, could I ask you a question? Was that during your addiction stuff or no? So, yeah. Okay. So, um, so I got clean and sober and then I started going to this church and I got real hurt with this one girl. And so during that time I was like dipping back into it. I was getting, I was, I was binging and stuff and, and then, but I could go to church and be like, I went to I I led the song service half crocked a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> I did, I did, yeah. I was up there, and so so I was so I was not in good shape. I wasn't I wasn't healthy, and she was in a real tough jam, and uh, it was just I don't know. It was one of those. It was like a, a you know, a gunpowder and a match kind of thing going. And so it, it didn't go well. But anyway, to your point, Sarah, I mean, I just, my, I had no 
skills uh, to do that or how to be married. And uh, and then you went back to rehab again after that? <laughs> and then, okay, so then, uh, yes. So, yes, I went to a secular rehab and stayed in there for, uh, I was stayed in there for about six weeks, got clean and sober, and then I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. I was still on the run, got a job, got back into it. I was living at a halfway house in Little Rock, and but I got back into it, and then I went back to another rehab, and then I got clean and sober. Then I've been clean and sober for 30 years, so... So and then and then she and then so yeah. I now I'm in the second rehab and I get a letter from the sheriff and it's and it's my papers it's my divorce papers and so I signed them and and that's the last I've heard of that family so there's that well at least you made her you made her an honest woman so she could have that baby not out yeah. of wedlock right. Well, that's part of. I even what, told her what I a said, crock I, that is. If you think I about know, it, I told her dad. I I told her dad. I said one thing. I wanted her to have a ring on when she was in the grocery store buying groceries, and she looked pregnant. I just I wanted that for her, and I was gonna I was gonna make it all good. <sighs> so anyway, but that was a long time ago, thirty five years ago ish i was 30 i was 30 i turned 30 when i was married and i'm 62 now so it's what 33 years anyway that's the kind of stuff that the the religion has done for us right i think it's funny well not funny but listening funny for me to listen to somebody's perspective of him say like yeah this girl was pregnant and i felt the weight of putting a ring on her finger because the church puts so much emphasis on um, being married if you're going to have a baby. And I got pregnant out of wedlock. And I guess it's just the rebel in me. And I, I really hadn't even started to like deconstruct at that point. I was still pretty pretty deep in the Kool-Aid. And um, when I found out I was pregnant, I was 19. But my husband and I had our own place. We had... Uh, you know, we were financially independent. We were completely on our own. I was in college and working and he was working full time. You know, we were essentially living life as a married couple, but without being married. Right. Um, and I got pregnant and I had a lot of people that were like, well, I guess you've got to get married now. I guess you've got to get married now. And we absolutely refused. And um, we were going to get married on our own terms. And we waited for a year. And at a year we were like, yeah, we want to get married. Um, you know, because I mean, we were living together. We were we were moving in that direction, um, but we were in a hurry. And obviously, having a baby changes a lot in your life. But um, it's just interesting to listen to the perspective of I'm getting married out of obligation because there's a baby coming versus yeah, there's a baby coming, but let's see how this works out <laughs> before we commit our lives to one another. Yeah. So that's when. That's when the, you know, nowadays there's, you don't get that shame so much. I mean, it's still around, but when I was a kid, a woman had a baby out of wedlock. She was, she was trash and oh yeah everyone shamed her. And then in my mother's time, it was even worse, you know, it was just unfathomable when that I was a kid that that, for somebody to have a baby out of wedlock. So women married total pieces of crap just so they could have the ring when they had the baby. Yeah. My, my grandma had, uh, my grandma had my aunt and my mom in the sixties. Um, and both of them had different dads and they were both out of wedlock. And my, um, my grandma brothers, like she had a couple of pastor brothers. Her dad was a pastor. Um, my grandma was, really ahead of her time when it came to being a rebel because she never got married. She really had a vendetta against men, but it it's interesting to hear your perspective because you were growing up during that time period. And it makes me wonder really what she went through and how people treated her. Oh, I'm sure they treated her like trash. 
I'm sure. And our family yeah. was very religious. She was always the black sheep until she died. I, she was 14. I was 14 whenever she died. And I mean, even still, we make jokes about how I'm part of the black sheep of the family because I, you know, I came, I descended from my grandma and she was just like the blackest of the black sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's, 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 that's a badge of honor to me. So, yeah, it is. So we, we've been talking about, um, uh, last, our last uh, podcast, we talked about the, the website I'm starting for women's medical issues and, uh, have a bunch of doctors be interviewed and talk like they're talking to patients so patients can have particular questions answered. So they talk about HPV or hormones after after menopause or whatever. And it'll just be like, and you'd said you'd be happy to be one of the interviewers. You'll just be pretending to be the patient and, and they'll be talking to you just like they're talking to a patient. And we thought that would be really helpful. But then I was telling Apostle Duke about it and he said there should be a drop down menu for spiritual stuff as well. And that's where Grace Mott comes in because there's so much mental and spiritual stuff involved in a person's well-being. Were you going to say something, Apostle? Yeah, yes, yes. So uh, I just think about forgiveness. If you can, if you could have some audio about here's how important it is to, if you have like something in your background or something, you're holding on to that and it's creating stress and you're trying to heal you need to that's a that's a good thing you should do is uh is is forgive and there i just think there's a lot of spiritual aspects of health like being optimistic i think john luke would tell you that like a patient who's optimistic is going to do better than a patient who is oh this is oh, this is so bad i'm never going to make it so there's a lot of, I think, spiritual, and we call it spiritual here again because we don't have the scientific name for it yet. <laughs> but I think there's a there's a, a point of feeding our souls and feeding our spirits that is very intertwined in health. And that's the part I'd like to be a part of. So in some capacity. So anyway, that's that's. So, so I'm globbing on, I'm, I'm crashing the party and I'm, I'm on a, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so there's, yeah, in a couple of weeks, you'll have your PhD and you're wanting to do some research. I too, will so. have, I have yeah. my oral defense, uh, this Friday, I have my last conference call with my chair tomorrow. When I, uh, successfully defend my study, then I will graduate and then I will have a PhD and it's gone straight to my head. So I think I can like get in there and help or something. Yeah. Okay. Very well, doctor. Thank you. Thank you, doctor. So I, that, the point you make about, you're welcome. The point you make about forgiveness is so huge and it's something people don't learn often until they're much older. So forgive something. No one ever told me, no one ever told me this, but I figured it out over time. And, and I can't say nobody ever told me this. People have told me this in the last few years, but forgiveness heals the forgiver, not the one who's forgiven. That's, the one who's forgiven may or may not give a crap about whether or not they're forgiven, right. but the person who is holding on to this hate in their souls, when they forgive the person they hate, that heals the forgiver. What do you think about that, Sarah? I would like to add to that um, okay, something that was never, I agree. I agree with you. Um, something that was never taught to me though, and something that has really become something that's been a very apparent lesson in my life just in the last year. Um, forgiveness, you can forgive somebody, but forgiveness does not mean that you have to continue to allow somebody access to you. I can forgive you, but I can also choose that I don't want to, allow you access to me or allow you access to my life anymore I cannot be angry at you but I think that you can forgive without continuing having a relationship with somebody 
That's true. For if if you think that person is going to continue to harm you or right. harm you, then you can certainly forgive the person but not be around the person because right. the forgiveness heals you. Right. And separating from them also prevents them from harming you more. I agree with that 100%. Forgiveness is a, it's a, it's an interesting topic to me because to Sarah's point, I, I used to make this like, what if my room, okay. So my roommate, I lend him my car and he takes it out and he comes home late and I was late for work. And so I said, I said, dude, I can't, I got, I can't be late. And he said, well, please forgive me. So I forgive him and I let him do it again. And he showed up late and I was late to work. And I said, and so after that, to Sarah's point, I said, dude, I forgive you, but you can't use my car anymore. So it was like, yeah, I know you messed up, but you know, because in some respects, like true forgiveness is you let him use the car again and again and again. But it's like, yeah, I'm letting go of that, but you just can't use my car anymore because I can't, I'm gonna lose my job, man. See. <laughs> I disagree. True forgiveness is not to let him use the car over and over again. I think true forgiveness is to set boundaries and say, I've got work on these days. So no, you may not borrow my car on these days, but this day and this day I don't have work. You can borrow my car on this day, but you know, I can't trust you to be where I need you to be. You know what I mean? So I think that still counts as forgiveness when you're still setting strong boundaries. So we disagree on that and that's okay. And, uh, I just, I think I, and so that's where it, that's to me, that's where it's slippery because if so, if someone backs into my car and I say, I forgive them, I forgive you, but you still got to pay for the car, man. So true forgiveness is you don't even have to pay for the car damage. And that's, and that's what God did for us. It was unconditional. Um, so he, he forgave us unconditionally. And so I, it was the whole blown deal. It's everything, everything. And, 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 and if we come to him a thousand times and say, forgive me, he'll still forgive us and to me. And so to your point though, you can't, that's where I think you can't truly a hundred percent forgive somebody and still be healthy. So the forgiveness thing is. Yeah. Okay. Then that's good. I gl I'm glad we have a uh, something to talk about. And to that, I say though, and this is just me and the point I'm at in my own life is, I think the way God forgives is great, but I'm not yeah. God, so I'm just gonna forgive to the best of my ability. Yes, I agree. And if for me, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna forgive you because I don't want to hold on to that negative energy anymore. Right. So I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna feel any type of way about what you did to me. Because I understand that you're human, you're on your own journey. Then I'm also going to adjust the way that I deal with you accordingly. Because at this point, your actions have, and it just depends. Like, okay, you backed into my car. We can still be friends. But you get drunk and you continue to back into my car. Well, I'm going to forgive you for that because you clearly got some issues but i'm not going to go anywhere around you when you're drinking i still forgive you for backing yeah. into my car i'm just not going to give you the opportunity to back into my car again because i know who you are i feel like sometimes the principle of forgiveness that is taught to us in christianity is kind of stupid because it's like i'm just going to blindly forgive you but there's no sense of self-preservation you know you fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me so like i can forgive you and we can still be friends but you've also shown me who i who you are so i'm gonna protect myself accordingly you know what i mean i think you guys are talking about two different issues one is forgiveness and that's the one that gives the forgiver peace you're talking about turning the other cheek which is another thing not that's related to forgiveness but is not necessarily forgiveness so I think turn the other cheek in many ways is a bad lesson. Turn the other turn the other cheek once maybe. Say okay, I'll forgive you and I'll give you one more chance. 
But if you slap both cheeks, I'm like, no, <laughs> we're done. Turning the so, other cheek is enabling yeah. with certain people. You turn the cheek once, I would say, but you don't keep turning it, you know. That's what I'm, that's all I wanted to say. Okay, so, okay, so, and here, so there's a verse of scripture that says, if someone does you wrong and they repent, uh, do you forgive them? Um, and if they repent, you forgive them. So it gives the impression, and I, I probably said that all wrong, that there is sometimes you don't have to forgive. Hey, and I had two questions for you, Sarah. And so one is that one. And then the other thing, when you were talking about how difficult it was for, uh, you know, the marriage. And so what do you think about like in these other countries where like a, a parent will say, hey, uh, Sarah, here's a boy we that we we know him. And what do you think about arranged marriages? Do you think that'd be better? Um, I think that arranged marriage is human trafficking tied up oh, in a pretty really? bow. Honestly, I think that absolutely you are taking somebody's freedom to choose the what the most important choice that a woman has in her life is the choice of who she marries. Right. That is one of the most important choices. Yeah. And by taking away the freedom to choose who she wants to marry and you are putting her in a marriage that's more often than not going to be loveless, I could not imagine. We, I spend so much time with my spouse. Yeah. You spend so much time with the person you're married to. I can't imagine... If it was somebody I didn't know, if it was somebody that was abusive, if it was somebody I didn't like, if it was somebody that there was no love, that it was just obligation, I think that is worse than being in prison. I think it's horrible, and I think that people who do it are horrible. Oh, wow. And I think that in 2023, the fact that there are still women whose partners are being chosen, for them, it's essentially, I really think that it's essentially your okay you're treating women as property she's property of her father and then her father chooses a husband and now he's passing her off like she's cattle i'm just going to pass her off and now she's property of this man she, it's dehumanizing to the women involved i mean and to the men too but i'm a feminist so i'm not gonna you know i'm only gonna speak for what i know you right. know i just i think it's it's dehumanizing and I think that it also feeds into making men not think that they have to work for it, that they are entitled to all of the benefits of having a wife without having to be a decent husband. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you for coming Mike to my drop. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I think it's, you know, it's it's worked for centuries, but that doesn't mean it's right. That I mean, we've like it's the same thing that the same problem I have with old organized religions that you know, Christianity, Islam, whatever, Buddhism. We're all following the words of men that have been dead for thousands of years. Uh -huh. the, the, you know, Islam's the most recent, and so. Uh, Muhammad's only been dead for 1,500 years. Well, great. Yeah, I mean, but we're still following the words of these really, really old dead men rather than thinking for ourselves in the modern time and with all the scientific knowledge that's come to light. There, there, was, there was no James Webb telescope when these people were deciding what the universe was thousands of years ago. And that's why this Gracemont we're talking about creating our own church is going to take all that into account that the world is not what they thought it was thousands of years ago. And the, the arranged marriage is a thing that happened thousands of years ago and they're still doing it. Well, I mean, even in the 1950s, like they were putting cocaine in the soda. We know that that's a bad idea. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was just 75 years ago. So why are we basing our whole lives on text? that were written thousands of years ago in a different country, in a different time, in a different context for different people. 
And all by men, and, never by women. And all by men. Don't even get me started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, Apostle. Oh, I uh, see. So I'm kind of like health. I'm into health, okay? So I wonder what the numbers say. You know, is there... Because I've met a few people who are in arranged marriage, and I said, was your marriage arranged? And they said, yes. And I said, so tell me about that. I said, well, it's fine. I mean, they don't seem to... Uh, it's their tradition, and so I think they're okay with it. But I see value in the fact that, okay, so John Luke, I don't know that you ran into this, but I mean, your daughter comes home with this guy in chains and, you know, riding a Harley, and you're like, okay, I kind of want to intervene here. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't exactly pick their mate, but you, you do want to like protect them from their youth, right? And so, I can see some value in it, um, but that's what I say. If if the numbers show that, hey, these arranged marriages, by far, they don't make it, and they're unhealthy, and or and you find, you know, spousal abuse in in those in those marriages. But, but I don't know. I have it in my head somewhere that the, a lot of those marriages do okay, and maybe they just. And 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 the other thing is too. Hey, you saw filler on the roof. I don't know if you even saw it, but anyway, they were in an arranged marriage, and and they they had this discussion one night, just like, "Do you love me?" And he goes, uh, "I never really thought about it." And she, he goes, "Do you love me?" And she goes, "I do love you." And it was like they just here again. There was the practical side of it. So I don't know. The answer is I don't really know. <laughs> But I didn't have that like strong of feeling toward uh, arranged marriages. So, Do, have the the men my daughters picked? Are they who I would have picked for them? Well, no. I mean, I would have I would have picked somebody different. You know, I would have I would use different different criteria for selecting the men and what they did. But then they right. wouldn't be happy. I. Exactly. You have to raise your daughters to know who they are and be whole on their own so that they can go out and find a, a partner who compliments them. And I think that's a lot of people think that their partner is going to make them whole and then they're really disappointed when they don't. And I I think that, I mean, I just, when, you know, when he said that he's talked to people who are in arranged marriages and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. I couldn't imagine if that's how I've used to describe my marriage, you know. I feel like your partner should elicit strong emotion out of you, you know, the whole spectrum. They're the person who's going to make you the happiest and the maddest, you know. You know, if, if I describe something as just fine, like, that's going to be my my order at Applebee's is just fine. Not the most important relationship in my life. That's crazy to me. Right. I like, I like what you just said that my daughters were raised to be whole humans. And when they get married, they're not finding somebody to complete them. They're finding somebody to compliment them. That, that's a huge concept I've never thought about before. And that's, you know, we were raised you know, it's just a, it was a common saying, you complete me, you know, because uh, I, I suck and you're going to make me better. You know, and, and women, women so many times would hook up with guys, you know, or get married to guys that they thought they could make better. They could fix them. You know, they're fixer uppers. That's just a ridiculous concept. I tried that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife tried that for years. She finally gave up. And that, that's really been the journey that I've been on for the last 10 years. It was, I bought into this ideology and this way of thinking for so long, just blindly. And once I started to be like, hey, wait a minute, I don't know, I don't know about all that. I really have gotten into the habit of trying, you know, you hear a concept or somebody says something to you and you have your knee-jerk reaction. Um, and that's usually due to like your programming, your environment or whatever. But I like to stop and be like, okay, that's my knee-jerk reaction. But let me try to see all sides of this because there's lots of different sides to things. 
that I think a lot of times we don't see because as people, we're just wrapped up in our own emotions. You know, we can't see past our own nose. But I think a lot of the world's problems could be solved if we just sought to understand all sides of an issue because rarely anything is anything black and white. There are a few things in life that are black and white, but most of the world is gray and there's a lot of different shades of gray. And I like to split hairs and explore the different shades of gray to figure out what I really, what do I really buy? That, that leads me into the idea of the, the Grace Mott church being a community for all people. Like whether it doesn't matter what, what your religious background is. I have this vision of having a church picnic. I mean, think about the church picnics we went to. When I went to a church picnic as a kid, it was all white people, all white people. Even though I lived in a town that was like 40% Native American, they didn't come to our church. They had their own churches. And we had a few black people. None of them came to our church. It was all white people. So I envision a church picnic of Gracemont that over here you have a family uh, where mom's wearing a hijab and the kids are running around playing with the white kids and the black kids and the native kids. And the, the parents are all visiting and learning about each other's culture and learning how to not hate each other and teaching the children to not hate each other all at the same time. That's that's the kind of church picnic I've envisioned for Gracemont because I have traveled to every continent but but Antarctica and everywhere I am, you know, the governments are different, the religions are different, the people look different, but they're the same inside. They for real are. And we're we're not I was not taught that growing up in Carnegie, Oklahoma. You know, those people over there, they're bad. They're bad. You know, they're, they're our enemies, you know. They're just freaking people. And they're just trying to get through the day. And yeah, so, just trying to live their life. Gracemont would be a way for all those people to get together and learn about each other and to understand what I understand about them. Our tagline can be human seeking deeper understanding. Because really, if we... I think that a lot of times we fear what we don't understand. Anyway, go ahead. I think we fear what we don't understand. You know, if I don't have an understanding, you know, just like, for example, I grew up, I was always really scared of snakes. I've always been afraid of snakes. So I decided I didn't want to be scared of snakes anymore. So I started educating myself about snakes and the different types of snakes that are, you know, local to where I live and all of that. And I started to understand them and understand their place in the world and their place in the ecosystem. And now I, A, know how to protect myself and be aware of the ones that are dangerous. But also now I have a deeper appreciation of something that I feared because I didn't understand it. And that can be applied with anything, I think. Whoa, that's pretty deep. I like it. That's awesome. And I really like your tagline, too. You'll have to text that to me so I can remember it. I'll be here all week. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's nice. But do you, Would you want to go to that kind of church? Oh, absolutely. That's the type of church I want to take my kids to. And honestly, I think that's the type of church Jesus would show up to. Jesus wouldn't show up to this church of a bunch of buttoned up people trying to look better and look like they have more money and have their lives together jesus would be down the road where it's a melting pot of all different people from all different backgrounds all just trying to create community i think that's the church that jesus would show up to absolutely and that's that's the church apostle duke and i would show up to we we went Uh down sorry I don't remember if we talked about this last time, but our church, our Sunday school class went down and fed the homeless. And okay. so everybody went and they set up their tables and they stayed on the other side of the table from the homeless people and fed them as quick as they could. And then they were ready to leave. Whereas the two of us, we caught a couple of them and struck up a conversation and say, How, how'd you get here? What, what's the story? You know, and we, we enjoyed visiting with them. 
Uh, I thought, yeah, I could hang out with him about as well as anybody else. Honestly, I would get along better in a room full of homeless people than I would in a Sunday school class full of Baptists. I would much rather hang out with the homeless people any day of the week. Because those people are going to be real. They're going to be authentic. They've got nothing to hide. And I think that I don't, I can't, I don't have time for, I don't have time to put up a front. I don't have time to be fake or to pretend that I'm something that I'm not or try to pretend my family is something that we are not. You know what I mean? I think if, you know, you could create a space where people could just truly come as they are without, come as you are unless, you know, in parentheses, um, I think that. I think the world would be a less hateful place. I agree. You know, I'm reminded that Jesus was a friend of sinners. That's what I remember. He liked hanging out with the he'd hang he hang out with the homeless, <laughs> not the homeless, but the zealots. And so, anyway, he and that's one thing he was criticized for was hanging around all the sinners. You know, tax collectors. But he seemed like, yeah, and all that. So. Well, uh, I think we've we've talked about something. I'd like to get your take on this. We're wanting to take in all people, but what do you do about people that are really mentally ill, like have schizophrenia? How do you include them in your in your community? For like, if you got a church and you have church service. Man, that's hard. I don't know. I don't you know. You have a special schizophrenia class? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, You know, everybody says you got to be inclusive, but everyone is afraid. Not everyone, but a lot of people are afraid of people with schizophrenia because every once in a while they twist off and, you know, the voices tell them to do stuff. But you don't want to exclude anybody, so I, I'm not right. sure what to do about that. I don't know. That's really something to let's food for thought. Yeah. I don't know the answer. One one thing for sure, the right answer is not to shut down all the uh the mental health facilities and leave wow. those people on the street because that's what we've done in this country. There's a mental health crisis in this country yeah. and it is sad to watch. Yeah. And the the it's fun to hear talk to a Republican about it or a Democrat about it. The Democrats will say, well, they shut them all down during the Reagan era. And and the Republicans will say, yeah, but also the rest of them got sued out of existence by the trial lawyers who are on your team. You know, it's it's a combination of things, you know, funding and, and lawsuits that just got rid of them because they got, they got vilified. You know, think about how many movies there were Especially when oh, I was about younger. The asylum and, oh, yeah, yeah about all of how them. awful they were. But mostly, those people, those places had a purpose to give to give really mentally ill people a place to live in safety, so they wouldn't hurt themselves or other people. But I guess there was a lot of abuse went on there too. But but right now they're just they're just on the street. That that can't be good. Wow. Well. Can you imagine being a schizophrenic, especially a schizophrenic woman on the streets? How many times do those women get raped and abused? Maybe every day. Who knows? It's unfathomable. Yeah. And it's a country we just cast them aside. Yeah. You know, and it's just, they're humans too. Their lives matter too. Right. You know, they, you know, I, I could... I could go off on a whole tangent, but it makes me sad that we do a really poor job as a country, as a society. We want to fight for people, but we refuse to fight for living, breathing human beings. You know, we see people right in front, you know, people want to hop on a plane and go thousands of miles away and take a white savior vacation and post pictures on social media about how they went on a mission strip and they help all of these people, but they turn a blind eye when they drive on the south side of Oklahoma City and see pain and addiction and homelessness and all of these things. Right. Maybe that could be one of our <laughs> missions to 
to help the the mentally ill people find a, a place to live again one day. Well, and too, also in just like there is, I think sometimes the church, I understand wanting to save the world and to spread the gospel, but like you can't be everywhere to everyone. And you, if faith, if you have faith that what you believe is the truth and that it's going to spread and then a good word is going to be spread all over the world, you can't really put all your focus on what's happening across the globe you're if you really believe that you're where god put you shouldn't your mission field be around you i mean the 25 mile radius imagine what you could do if you got a group of like-minded people you know imagine what you could think about what jesus and all of his apostles did you know they turned their city on its head so if people really actually got out there and wanted to actually care about people and actually love people and actually meet their needs in a tangible way the world would change instead of thoughts and prayers like here is a hot meal and a voucher for a place to stay or a blanket or something that you can actually something that can help you right. instead of just like here's a pamphlet you want to come to church that's not going to help you you know what i mean i just yeah i see i it it bothers me that you know we don't we don't we don't take care of each other just as human beings all religions aside like we just don't take care of each other and we have to take better care of each other absolutely agree i've i've not been great at it but there's a lot but, more that we could do before we die i think yeah absolutely I, I think maybe the grace mark could be a vehicle for that absolutely i i do too and so the kind of the part part of what i see is a degree with Sarah is like a lot of this is like the mental part, right? So you have all this mental wrong thinking, right? Okay. So it's in the media, right? Everybody's mad. Everybody's mad. Everybody's mad. Everybody's mad. Well, it creates this mental, it's not healthy for us mentally as a society. And so we begin, I think you begin to see part of the collateral damage is all depression and, and, uh, and anxiety. And so that stems out in ways we probably don't even understand that hurt, that hurt our society and hurt people. And so my comment is that's what, that's what we can do at Grace Month is we can help people think better, you know, to like, and and to you know to help because there's there's mental illness right there's mental the way people process thoughts is it's getting to the point where it's making us angry and 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 it's hurting our hurting our health and so Gracemont is going to be the antidote to that that's going to be our mission is to is to let's think correctly and think healthy and 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 let's help people because there's and to your point sarah you said something about seeking you know it's like just connect with seekers <laughs> just connect with people say hey you know what they're pretty whacked out but it seems like they're really trying to figure it out and so let's bring them in and and let's let's figure some stuff out you know so anyway that's uh what i thought about that just so we could be the opposition we're, to we're the answer to what social media has done to our society the with the polarization and all that well or see it and and begin because i think people are starting to see that i think there's there's kind of i see some rumblings out there that yeah that like all this facebook and stuff just on and on and on is just it's not we got to figure something out on that so and the media too add the, but yeah, the news but media that, add to it it's, it's it made us hate each other in ways right. we never had before. Right. And it's, yeah. And so it, and, and they're selling, they're selling, what is it? Uh, salacious. They're selling spectacular things. You know, it's gotta be just some huge deal, man. And then they go on and on and get you all worked up about it. And it's like, I think it's hurting us. And so I don't know, you know, through all history, humans have adapted. Right. And so, we have to adapt, and the way we have to adapt is we have to think better, and that's what Gracemont is all about. That's what our movement is about, and so I'm in. 
Let's do it. Okay. What are your thoughts on that, Sarah? Do you think there's a way we can we can with a we can bring us people together? I do. I think that um you know you people love a cause, right? People love to come together for a cause. So you have a cause of you know, whatever your cause is. But I think the difference between it and the difference between Grace Knot and the difference between people coming to church is that you can come and we have no preconceived notion. We have no ulterior motive. Because when you go to church, the ulterior motive is we want you to say this prayer. We want you to come to our side. There's no side to come to. Believe We're like, just a yeah. group of people. Right. We're just a group of action-oriented people who want to see a need and meet a need or who want to get to know each other on a deeper level and put the facade aside and be like, hey, we're all just human beings trying to figure out this life. And people crave community. I think people people want to be in community, but I think religion, you know, people find community there, but some people are driven away by the aspect of religion. So if you want, if you're religious, you're welcome. If you're not religious, you're welcome, but that's not going to be the center of what this is. You know, it can be communities, the center, not any specific ideology, just let's bring people I together. I like it. I'm, yeah. You're in, right, Sarah? I'm all in. <laughs> okay. Well, I, w- I was oh, talking good. to Yay. one of my daughters who knows a couple of, young women who who were looking for community and spiritual stuff and have become Wiccans, you know, mm-hmm. which I don't know anything about that, but it doesn't sound like any better than being Christian to me, <laughs> for sure. But whereas what we're offering is, is community without judgment of what you're yeah, Wiccan, Wiccan is just a, a lot of rules. It's a spinoff of paganism, and it's like a nature worshiping religion, essentially. But there's a lot of different like rules with like energy and all of that stuff. I did a lot of reading over different religions when I was trying to figure out yeah. what I believed and not. But it's a very like man-made kind of new agey. It's, I mean, it's still spiritual, it. but it doesn't... I like that stuff. It's all super interesting, but it's not necessarily like witches and and uh, um, devil I mean, worship. Hey, it's not. Hey, Sarah, it's, see, people think crystal. that witchcraft and devil <laughs> worship my, is the synonymous. This is my this is my healing. It's my healing wristband. <laughs> anyway, so I'm he's serious. awakened now. Um, I'm in it. I got I crystals have, in there. I have crystals in all over room. my house. Well, here's my thing. Oh, it's, good. In the Bible. If you believe that God says everything that I put on this earth is for your benefit. So why wouldn't I believe that these pretty rocks that God put on the earth, if I believe that they're going to make my life better, why wouldn't God be like, yeah, girl, sure, they can make your life better. If that's, if that's what makes you happy, why wouldn't God love us and want us to be happy? So if my rocks make me feel like I'm protected from nightmares or bad energy, then let me believe it. It's not like harming it. anyone. True. Yeah, or... Yeah, our dream catchers, right? I like those. I, I have a those, I so. have a dream catcher. My my bedroom window, I have a dream catcher. <laughs> in it. I hung one up for John Luke, and I don't think they liked it. It was it was fine. It was just hanging from the. He stayed at our he house sat for us when we were out of town, and came back, and uh, it was a dream catcher hanging from the the uh ceiling fan in my bedroom i wasn't sure what that was all about <laughs> it was right over his bed too it was like yeah. that's <laughs> hilarious i think it's been working because i haven't been able to remember my dreams for years so the dream catcher's been catching them there you go filter them all good and the bad yeah. yeah all right well we're at an hour so i think we've beaten that up pretty well and i i think uh Again, Sarah, having you on was Come back, really Sarah. helpful. Keep coming back. I think, okay, are you ready to commit to being the third founder of Gracemont? Are you yes, at that I'm point ready yet? To You're ready? I'm, I'm She's there. ready to commit. I'm there. Okay. What do you think about that? Can we let her in the 
She might have to be an apostle, though. She might have to have an apostle name if she's going to join us. Let me let me do founder. some research, and I will figure out my apostle name. Okay. Okay. Can it be a little okay. sacrilege? Hey, the other thing is that we did before John Luke was we would have like before we would have some subject and then it gives us a day or two to kind of think about it. Do you want to do that maybe again? Oh, we probably should if we're going to do that. Yeah. So, so you'll, yeah. Okay. So I love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to sign us off then. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and thanks for getting sucked into the to the vortex <laughs> always a pleasure uh, yeah this is grace mod episode 44 and uh, again you can find me on x at uh apostle john luke you can contact apostle duke at ad1 at gracemont.com all right see ya see ya Bye.